Our scripture today is James 3. We're going to be starting at the 13th verse where the author is giving us more counsel about what practical faith looks like. So James chapter 3, starting at verse 13 in just a few moments. Today we look to teenagers to give us insight as we begin. At the end of 2014, uh, Huffington Post gathered a sampling of some of the best real-life advice they heard from their young blog writers throughout the year. This is a sampling of some of what they said. Remember, these are teenagers writing to teenagers. Rejection is going to inevitably happen in our lives at some point, but it says nothing about your worth creativity, or potential. Rejection does not define you. We need to realize we choose our beauty. Every single person in the world has beautiful qualities. All bodies are bodies, but who cares? The people inside of them are way more interesting. The truth is, popular kids have a quality about them that is mystifying. It's not about a pair of sneakers or a certain lip color. Popularity in its simplest definition is accepting who you are and flaunting it. Amen. This is a good one too. You can't win the war if your mind is always starting the fight. You've got to love yourself, kid. You've got to see that you're worth so much more than all those dark thoughts consuming your mind. You're going to get through this, but only if you change the way you perceive yourself, you're pretty awesome, and it's time you start believing it. That was good. Now, we read these perceptive words and see how these young writers understand a few things. Being a teenager can be rough. Being adults can be rough. We actually find some wisdom there for us. It's helpful to encourage others who are their same age with what they've learned. Young people have common struggles, rejection, body image, confidence, popularity. Older adults can give advice all day long, but having a peer reinforce such ideas is a game changer. Now, these young writers are passing on what they have learned. They are handing down wisdom that they have gleaned already from having been on the planet such a short time so they can help others. Wisdom is meant to be given away. It's meant to be lived out in a community where all those on the journey can listen and help one another. James has taken up the topic of wisdom again in these few short verses. Like last week, he's coming back to a subject he touched on and is now going more in depth with it. Wisdom is highly prized in scripture, and we know that God embodies perfect wisdom and desires for us to embrace it. So today, James continues in his conversation about the tongue, and his message is this. Whoopsies. We are known by the kind of wisdom we possess, and this wisdom is a byproduct of our trust in the Lord. As we read these verses and discuss what they mean. I want you to think about this. Is wisdom a virtue you care about? What does it look like to seek wisdom in your life? When you have a problem, where do you go for help? So here are the word of the Lord from James 3, starting at verse 13. 
Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Let's pray. Father, please grant us your divine wisdom right now. Give us ears to hear you and courage to live out your will for us. Amen. So what would you say wisdom is? We know it's related to knowledge, but it's not the same. We might say wisdom is the ability to the ability to discern what is true, right, and lasting, and then act that way. We can learn many subjects, but be seriously lacking in wisdom. It isn't enough to have knowledge if we don't either know what to do with it, or we don't practice sound judgment. Solomon, whose writings on the subject are worth reading or rereading, has much to say about wisdom. And in the first chapter of this book, James reminds us that true wisdom is a gift from the Lord. And the Lord will give generously and without grudging to all who ask for it. Here, James has just finished a section about the tongue, which he told us is a major problem in our lives. He's been teaching about the words that we say, and he has just finished writing that it isn't right, it's not correct, that both sweet and brackish water come out of the same place. We know that both blessing and cursing come from within. The place to deal with water that is polluted is at the origin where it begins at its source. In humans, it's the same way, and we know that the source is our heart. We can try to monitor our words and be careful with them, but the true test of wisdom is not simply what we say, but what we do. Our lives speak everything that is inside of us. In verse 13, James begins with a question. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Now, if we were in a group and he asked this question, it would not be the wise person who would stand up and say, me, 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 I'm the wise one. All these people don't really know anything. It's me that you want to talk to. This phrase, wise and understanding, comes from Deuteronomy uh, chapter 1. Moses needs help leading, so he says this to the people. Appoint for yourselves wise and understanding and respected individuals from your tribes, and I will make them your leaders. Later on in chapter 4, Moses tells the Israelites that they have to observe everything that he has commanded them, and he uses this same phrase, and he says to them, the nations around you are watching to see how it is that you act in wisdom and understanding And to see if your lives match the statutes of God. 
Showing our trust in God by how we live is part of his plan for us. The one who created us lives in perfect harmony with his words and behavior. And he calls us to live with that same consistency, which we absolutely have to trust him to help us do. So James says that the wise have some outward signs of wisdom in common. The heart is shown by the truth that we live. So we're going to talk about three outward signs that he gives us as evidence of God's wisdom in us. So one outward sign of wisdom comes from verse 13. He says, show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. We read this and we wonder, when is wisdom born in someone's life? It doesn't happen all at once. Where does wisdom come from? We know that wisdom can come from sorrow. Wisdom comes from mentoring, from applying knowledge that we have learned. Wisdom can come from watching the choices that other people make. Wisdom can come from years of experience, from mistakes, from being in healthy community. Wisdom comes from God's word to us and from his Holy Spirit living in us. Wisdom comes from taking time to listen. It always comes from seeking the Lord first. It's difficult to tell in English, but this is not a request. James is exhorting us strongly that we must show by our good life that our works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. He's saying you have to give proof in your life that you have wisdom if you belong to God. We know wisdom and the lack of wisdom when we see it. James links two ideas here that I have been thinking about and trying to put into practice all week. Wisdom and gentleness. Wisdom is shown by gentleness. Have you thought about this? Do you think this is true? Gentleness here is really humility, which makes a bit more sense to us. Those who are wise are not proud or arrogant, are they? When I was about three, I really came into my own personality-wise. I was bossy and confident, as children can be at that age. And although I had four older siblings and two parents, it was not uncommon for me to tell them what to do. While I was charming, waving to everyone who would walk or drive down our street, usually without clothes, I had quite a mouth on me, which continued to, well, today, if I let it. I remember one of my brothers telling me in the moments where I would be my strongest, Colleen, you need to be more gentle. It's like, easy, girl, just gentle. And it was so annoying to me at the time because people who aren't gentle don't want to be told that they have to be gentle. In fact, I quite hated it. But this is what James is saying to us. And he's echoing words from Proverbs that says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. True wisdom is not harsh. It has a gentleness about it. It doesn't demand its own way or point to the self as the most important and the most correct in the room. James says how we live is evident to others and 
Wisdom is connected to doing God's word in such a way that it's humble. Through wisdom, we understand how necessary humility is to us. So often this week, I have wanted to speak out about something that I saw that needed correction. And sometimes my younger self comes out. And in a few of those moments when I felt the most strongly about getting my idea across, I stopped. And I thought, Lord, teach me what gentleness looks like in this situation with wisdom. I've never done that before. Well, like in a thoughtful kind of way, but so two things changed instantly. One was my attitude. Instantly, the Lord was like, take it down. And second was the interaction that I then had. So I would encourage you to try this because we all want to make our voice heard and we all want to have influence and we all have wisdom to offer. But when we link our wisdom with humility, God does something completely different with it than if we were acting in our own wisdom. I think that we understand this because when we need counsel, when we go to people, when we need wisdom from something, we usually seek those out who do this. It's difficult to hear wisdom when harshness is front and center. Another outward sign uh, that James says uh, how you know you are wise is that you have characteristics that look like God. Now, James uses contrast here to teach us where wisdom comes from. There's a wisdom that is from above and a wisdom that is not. And so uh, we made a helpful chart for you to look at. When there are lists of words in scripture, it's helpful to put them in a different format to see what the author is saying, because sometimes all the words can get a little overwhelming. In this chart, you will see there are two two different kinds of wisdom that have two different origins that determines then their character and their result. Now, there's something about all of this that also has been perplexing to me as I've been studying this week. Of course, we understand what wisdom is and what it is not. But I've wrestled with James saying that there are two kinds of wisdom. He says, if you have bitterness and bitter envy and selfish ambition, that doesn't come from God. That comes from living in the world, from our humanness, or from the evil one. It comes from a heart, actually, that seeks its own way. But I would not have called that wisdom. I kind of thought about wisdom in this way. Uh, We believe that all truth is God's truth, right? If something is true, then it comes from God no matter what anybody else says. But James is saying here that not all wisdom is God's wisdom. And I think before I read this, I would have said that it wasn't. James says, no, no, there's heavenly wisdom, and then there is worldly wisdom. There is wrong thinking that people live by every day. And James says that wisdom doesn't originate from the Lord. It's actually against him. False wisdom is marked by envy and selfish ambition, and true wisdom is marked by purity and a willingness to yield. Wisdom from God is marked by fruit of the Spirit and mercy and an authenticity to be who we are, where we are. So we read this and we think there is so much for us to glean from just sitting with these words for a while. If wisdom is what you are yearning for or you have been struggling with the effects of bad wisdom in your life, I encourage you to sit with this passage and do a word study on all of this. 
We know that we embody both kinds of wisdom as humans. The question is, where is it that we put our trust for those areas where our wisdom comes from someplace other than the Lord? James is telling us to look and see. So in this moment, I just want us to pause and allow God's spirit to show us the kind of wisdom that we value. Our hearts always tell us what we believe. Is there an area of your life where you are operating out of bitter envy or selfish ambition? Where does that come from? How does that inform your words and your choices? The wisdom we value is out there for everyone to see. What kind of wisdom are you known for in the circles where you work and live? Is there something that this scripture is causing you to do? So we pray for God to reveal where he is leading and to have wisdom to go and let go of whatever is not from him. One last outward sign of God's wisdom comes from verse 18. It is embodying a peace that is linked to righteousness. James doesn't give us a vivid word picture like he does in other sections of his letter, but he does give us a farming metaphor. And I was thinking, imagine a beautiful field ready for harvest, and the crop is righteousness. And righteousness is what God's people want to see more of in the world. It basically means right living before God. And God desires this so much for us that he came himself to offer a way for us to live pure lives. And the way that James describes it, it sounds like a crop of righteousness that is ready to be sent out to feed the world. And this crop was planted by those who make peace. James knows his scripture again. In Isaiah, it says this, the fruit of righteousness will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. I want you just to notice how peace and righteousness are linked together here. Each kind of wisdom, James says, brings its own results. The wisdom from above brings more of God's presence into our lives, and then we share that bounty with those around us. Here, human wisdom is on its own. And it leads to pain and difficulty. When we think about peace, we want more of that. Peace is a treasure to us because it can be hard to come by. So sometimes we try to hold on to it no matter what. And what does it take to get peace? Sometimes in our lives we try to escape the pain of this life in various ways so that we might have more peace. Does that really lead to peace? Sometimes we try to de-stress and listen to all kinds of tips about how it is that we can find more balance in our lives so that we can find more peace. But some ways we won't admit or don't realize how we ourselves may be the problem. That we don't always want to believe that there are consequences in our souls for our actions and our words and our beliefs. We think we can do what we want and then we complain that we're not content. We complain that we don't have peace. True peace, Jesus says, comes from knowing him, from being connected to him and trusting him. He produces peace in us. 
just as he makes the crops grow to keep us alive, so he intentionally does the work of growing righteousness and peace in us to keep us alive in him. Peace has always been a living reality for God's people. Shalom was part of every greeting and part of every living relationship with family and neighbors in the Old Testament, part of the blessing of health and all one own. Shalom was evident in the people living out the covenant of God. Shalom is central to Jesus coming to earth. He exemplifies peace and teaches that those who make peace are blessed because they will see God. And then he leaves his peace with all who would believe, not as the world gives, he says, but as a unique reality for those who abide in him. The fruit of God's peace and righteousness together is seen in those who are wise. We should be able to watch God's life growing in us more and more as trust increases. So how are peace and righteousness growing in your life? Let's circle back around to James's point here. We are known by the kind of wisdom we possess, and this wisdom is a byproduct of our trust in the Lord. So what does wisdom look like in your life? How do the outward signs of wisdom, what do they say about what you believe about God and what, how you act on that belief? Maturity in Christ is having our hearts match our words and our life with his wisdom, which is what James keeps teaching us and pointing out to us. So let's spend a few moments in quiet prayer, allowing God to minister to us. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.